have a great adventure story without a villain in it. Now Jack, Dad says, how does the bunny story always end? And the bunny lived happily ever after, right? I already know how the end of the story is going to come out, and I promise you, the bunny is going to be just fine. But Jack is not about to have any part of this. So he uses his little hand to cover his dad's mouth. And in the sternest voice a little toddler can come up with, he tells his dad, no wolf. Not wanting to get Jack agitated just before bedtime, Rob finally gives in. He says, okay, Jack, no wolf tonight, no wolf. Already, says Robin Myers, who is the author of this powerful story, at the age of two, this little boy understands evil. Now, had he not known evil, he would not have any fear of the wolf. But he does understand evil. He knows its destructive nature, and at his little tender age, he thinks nothing at all of simply editing his world in order to make that evil completely disappear. Editing the world to make evil disappear. Boy, wouldn't that be a great ability to have? Some of you might remember the movie called Click, in which a TV remote was used to alter real life. What a great gift that would be on a second Sunday in Advent. The chance to make a world without evil. A world without the big bad wolf. But evil it does exist, doesn't it? And that's the truth of the matter. And the Bible is pretty clear about that. The rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. And that tells us there is no place on the face of this earth that evil and suffering do not exist. We Americans were absolutely stunned the morning of 9-11, weren't we? Never before had we stared evil in the face like that on our own shores. Timothy McVeigh in Oklahoma City should have prepared us for something like that happening, but it didn't. We all thought it was a freak, an anomaly. Who could have ever imagined the evil and the destruction that still lay ahead of us on 9-11? They call it the day that changed the world. And it was a reminder that evil is very real. And it is absolutely everywhere. And we are never fully prepared for the coming of the wolf and the evil that it brings, are we? And that's because the wolf comes to us in so many different forms and disguises. A doctor says, cancer, Alzheimer's. There's an auto accident, a house fire. A company goes bankrupt and suddenly you're out of work. A son or a daughter becomes addicted to drugs. And suddenly in the room with us is a horrible, horrible monster. One from which we simply cannot escape. And when that happens, all we want to do is cry out, No wolf! No wolf! And we turn to Luke 21 where we read these words. There are signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. 
Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming upon the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great, great glory. When these things happen, when these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Now our Christian faith acknowledges that evil most certainly does exist in our world. And you might wonder why we talk about evil and the end of the world here in just the second week of Advent. We don't want to do that. At this time of the year, we want to be thinking good, happy thoughts, don't we? Christmas is right there on the horizon. It's time to prepare for a holiday. We've got gifts to buy and get wrapped. We got candy and cookies to make. We need to be filling our homes with Christmas sights and sounds and oh, those delicious aromas, don't we? And so this imagery of evil and the end times is really kind of hard to take right here in the early part of the Advent season. And yet, actually, it's very timely. Because you see, the word Advent simply means preparation. Advent is the time when we are supposed to prepare ourselves for the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. But did you know there's a second Advent too? And that will take place when Jesus returns to the earth in power and glory. And when is that going to take place? Well, no one knows. But one thing is pretty clear. Before it happens, there will be many trials and tribulations. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive about what is coming upon the world. This can be a cruel world. I think we all know that. And we're never truly prepared for it. Back in 1963, 17-year-old Laura, Laura Welch, went to a party. And a few hours later, the Welches got that horrible phone call that all parents dread. A hospital telling them that Laura had been in a traffic accident. She never saw the stop sign, and she plowed right into the side of another car. Thankfully, all she had was minor bruises. The driver of the other car, though, who also happened to be a classmate and a personal friend of Laura's, was killed upon impact. Now obviously this tragedy shaped Laura's life at a very young age. From it she gained some compassion, a little bit of wisdom, qualities that she was going to need as an adult. After getting married, Laura Welch became Laura Bush, the wife of President George W. Bush. This can be a cruel world, and Laura's story proves that not one of us is exempt from the cruelty of the world. Wealth cannot exempt us, nor can position in life. Even a loving family cannot exempt us from the cruelties of this world. Saints and sinners alike eventually must acknowledge that there is a wolf loose in our world. And it's an evil wolf, one that brings heartache and suffering even to the best of families. <clears throat> but why does God allow that suffering? It's a really good question. 
Unfortunately, we don't know the answer. Some think that it's because that's the only way God can make us into the people that he wants us to be. Maybe this is the only way that can God can make us strong enough to survive the evil of the world. So is that why God allows us to suffer? To help us to develop spiritual greatness? As we fight our way through life, we do mature, that's true. So is that why God doesn't make our lives a lot easier? So that we can become mature Christians? To help other less mature Christians? I don't know. In 1938, a hurricane hit New England. And people feared a railroad bridge at White River Junction was going to be destroyed. So someone decided to park a bunch of fully loaded train cars on the bridge. And that bridge held up because of the extra weight it carried. The weight of your responsibilities may rest heavily on you, right, Robert Shannon. But that may be the very thing keeping you from being swept away by the storm of sin. So is that why God allows the wolf to run free? Because it makes us strong enough to bear the heaviest burdens? I don't know. There's a wonderful story told by James Michener in his book, Chesapeake. He says the Choptank Indians on Maryland's eastern shore believe that God gave them the bay for transportation and for fish. God gave them reeds for houses and mats. And God gave them crabs for delicious food. They also believe that God gave them mosquitoes just so that he could show them he could do whatever he wanted to do. Maybe as good an explanation as any for the presence of evil in our world. But still, still, there are times in all of our lives, aren't there, when we feel like God may be overdoing it. He may be. So we want to cry out, no wolf. No wolf. But it doesn't help, does it? We want to be like little Jack. We want to be able to edit our world and edit the wolf right out of our story. But unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way. We find out that no matter what we do, the big bad wolf is still there waiting. Luke describes to us a world being shaken to its very foundation. But then we read these words. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your your heads because your redemption is drawing near. What a truly powerful message that is. And it makes no difference whether we're talking about the end of the world or the end of next week. The message is exactly the same. Stand up, lift up your heads. Your redemption is drawing near. And that truly is the ultimate Advent message. Our redemption is near. So no matter how heavy the burden you carry, no matter how bad the situation may be, we can make it. We can endure. We can conquer. And we can do all of these things because Jesus Christ has come into our world. And that's why Matthew gave us the story of his birth. In Matthew chapter 1, 18 to 25, That passage is there because God personally chose Mary as his mother and Joseph as his earthly father. 
Now these were good, righteous people of deep faith who were willing to do whatever it was that God wanted them to do, even in the face of great adversity. And this was not done by luck of the draw. Actually, if you think about it, one of the more lightly praised people throughout the entire Bible is Joseph, Jesus' earthly father. We hear about him this time of the year as we speak of the Christmas story, how the angel came to him and told him to take Mary as his bride and keeper, of the trek to Bethlehem, getting turned away at the end, the birth in the stable. Still, doesn't it seem to you like our man Joseph was kind of a secondary bit player through this whole story? But he was so much more. God chose him very carefully. He was the earthly father, and he did as much care in the selection of Joseph as he did in Mary to be his mother. God needed a very special person for the role of father. God needed an honorable man, one who would take Mary as his wife and keep her, even knowing that she was already expecting a baby. God needed a man who would protect Jesus when Herod ordered his death. God needed a man he could trust to raise his son in the laws and the ways of the Jewish nation. God needed a man who would do everything he possibly could to protect Jesus from the evil one, the wolf. God needed a man by the name of Joseph. And that's the good news of the Advent season. God found the right man. And then he came down from heaven in the person of Jesus Christ, and he became one of us. He was born just as we are born. He lived his life just as we live ours. He endured our hardships and he reveled in our joys. He knew exactly what it was to be human. And then he died for us so that we might live with him. There was a TV movie once about a nurse whose husband left her. He abandoned her with three children. Her dad is in a nursing home in another city, got a broken hip. And he wants his daughter to come visit him, but she can't. And she feels guilty about not being able to go. She has the flu. She feels lousy. She's worn out. And then one day she finds drugs in her son's bedroom. There's a terrible fight. She cries all night about it. The next day at work is an absolute disaster. She gets into an argument with another nurse, loses her composure with a demanding patient, and then one of her favorite patients dies on her. And a woman begins walking home in despair. On the way, she passes a small old church. And inside, she can hear Christmas carols being sung. Something draws her inside the church. She sits clear at the back of the church. And she starts watching a typical small church Christmas pageant, you know. The kids are wearing makeshift bathrobes. There's a manger and Mary and Joseph and, of course, the baby Jesus. But then she realizes there's something totally different about the baby. 
It's not a doll like she expected. She sees they're using a real baby. And this one is doing what real babies do, creating havoc. The baby Jesus raises his hand up from the manger and pulls on Mary's nose. And then he gets fussy. And then he starts to cry. And no, it's not a gentle cry either. This one's a scream so loud that no one in the church can even hear Joseph speaking. So a woman gets up from her seat in the pew, takes the baby out of the cradle, starts rocking. Doesn't help. Finally, the congregation begins to sing Silent Night as the baby with the loudest set of lungs in the entire county gets walked out of the pageant. And now the service is over. But somehow, the weary nurse is energized. It was a real baby, she whispers. Jesus was a real baby. This wasn't just a story. He cried. He fussed. He caused problems. He was one of us, just like us. And then she goes on to say, God cares about us. God cares about real life. And she buttons up her coat and steps out into the cold street. And as she walks home, she smiles at strangers. Something in her has completely changed, and it's all because she finally experienced for herself for the first time that Jesus Christ truly is real. I hope you all have a wonderful Christmas. Hope you have a great meal, get some really neat gifts, and spend the day with those who mean the most to you. But however wonderful your day might be, that first Christmas will still be the best there ever was. And that's because it was the Christmas when God decided that He was going to become real to us. No longer would God remain far removed from His people. This was the night when God would become human. This was the night when God would become a baby. To live among us. To find out what it is that we feel. What it is that we are forced to endure. Far too often, we forget just how real this event was. Indeed, the whole story. You know, we have wiped away all the memories that this was a real event happening to real people. We have completely forgotten all about the pain that a frightened young teenage girl was forced to endure as she gave birth in a stable surrounded by smelly animals. We've forgotten this was an actual birth to real people. We've forgotten the pain that Mary suffered. We've forgotten the helpless feeling that Joseph must have had as he watched his young wife going through childbirth. He was probably wondering to himself what kind of a husband he was that he couldn't take care of his own family any better than this. This was a real event, folks. So let the theologians of the world sitting in the ivory towers of their great seminaries debate the significance of the deep, hidden meanings of Christmas all they want. Let them. I'll give you this. The birth of Jesus Christ was a real event. It actually happened, folks. 
God came down out of heaven and became human in a very real and a very painful birth. That's the reality of Christmas, that God cared enough about us to do this awesome thing in order to save us. And when God decided He was going to do this for you and me, it changed our world forever. Because you see, one of the other things we forget is this. The entire world at that time was just like that stable. It was a stinking pit. But we've cleaned it up just as we have everything else. When we see our Christmas cards with their pictures of Bethlehem today, we see the beauty of the town as the wise men gazed upon it from a distance. We see the great shining star standing over the village, leading them to the place where the baby lay. And oh, it's so beautiful, isn't it? It really is. But we have forgotten what a wretched, unsanitary place Bethlehem truly was. We have forgotten how cruel these people were to each other. We have forgotten that those who had leprosy were forced to call out that they were lepers as they walked through the streets so that all the good people could get away from them and not have to deal with them. We have forgotten how inhuman these people were, selling their own children, sacrificing their own children, doing every evil thing imaginable in the eyes of God. I'll tell you, to me, it's absolutely amazing that God ever found a reason to become human and rescue us in the first place. But He did. And He changed the world forever that first Christmas day. And so it is that I offer you this bit of good news. 2,000 years ago, God left His heaven and became real. 2,000 years ago, God became a living, breathing, human being of flesh and blood. 2,000 years ago, God, in the person of baby Jesus, brought light into a dark and desolate world. And with that baby came the message that there can be peace on earth for those who seek it. There can be help, hope, mercy, forgiveness, and comfort for those who are willing to allow the baby Jesus to become a real part of their lives. And the best news of all is this. God is still very real and still very much with us today. And the message the baby brought with him is still out there today for those who are willing to hear it and experience it. Our redemption is at hand. Whatever you may be going through, remember this. Jesus is real. Yes, there is still evil in this world, and I promise you it's going to stay around for a long time yet. But there is also one who has overcome the evil of the world. And as for the wolf, well, Isaiah prophesied, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. I don't believe there was a bunny anywhere in that prophecy. But this was. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And on that day, we will finally and forever be able to say, no wolf 
no wolf. Amen. <clears throat> Would you stand, please? <clears throat> I think Susie could attest to you, Christmas is probably my favorite time of the year. I love all of it. I love the lights, everything about it. I love our beautiful cards. I love to look at the manger with Mary and Joseph, but that isn't it, folks. That's not how the world was at all. But God came and God changed it. He is here. He is real. And that's the Christmas message. Because of that, there is hope for all of us. May God bless you and have a wonderful Christmas season. Amen. <clears throat>